podcast world. What's up? How about you? How y'all been? Where you headed to this week? Are you getting ready for the dog days of summer through late July and August into September as we prepare for blue wing teal season? Maybe a little bit of that early Canada goose season up there in Minnesota, the Dakotas, or are you getting ready to head to Ontario or Manitoba or Saskatchewan or Alberta up above the north of the border with our Canadian friends? Are you getting ready for it? We are. I'm so excited right now. It's middle of July and I can hardly wait to see mallard ducks doing their deal into the decoys. This is another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. And today, like every day, we'd like to thank our sponsors, just a couple of them. We have way too many to mention, but I always like to give a little bit of love that's what pays the bills you all understand what i'm saying we got to keep working our asses off to pay these bills and keep our heads above water hopefully y'all know how to swim today's episode is brought to you by the 2019 north american whitetail championships the guy sitting across the table from me is the same guy that was on the last podcast mr chris Sifrio, born and raised in baton rouge louisiana now a native of Arkansas. He hails in Arkansas now, right around the Searcy Augusta area, north of I 40, right up there in the northeast corner of Arkansas, where the duck hunting is plentiful. Chris, you're a whitetail hunter. Don't you have a lot of love for whitetail deer? Yeah, I mean, I used to be a whitetail hunter before I was a duck hunter, really. <laughs> Ducks I ruined still, your life, ruined it for you, huh? Well, no, they didn't ruin it for me. Uh, I still like to chase whitetails. If somebody tells me, hey, look, would you rather go chase four mallards, a limit of four in the timber, or chase a big buck i don't know man it'd be a hard thing for me hard it's not even a question i mean i love i love what y'all talk about deer hunting and washing your clothes and weird soap and (laughs) getting rid of your scent and going to bed by seven and putting piss all over you and squirting piss everywhere around (laughs) the the deer stand and i love it i love all types of hunting but there's nothing like mallard ducks but in this instance it's 2019 north american whitetail championships it's a cool deal brought to everybody by bone collector michael waddell's bone collector 14 regions across america and canada it's 300 to enter chris you get 300 out of your pocket you send it to them you're now entered for a chance to qualify and win fifty thousand dollars cash money there's different areas that you can win in but total mass i believe is the number one thing the biggest most inches scored on a buck gets you fifty thousand dollars in this whitetail championship or i'm preaching on it because i love steve schmidt i love clint walker over at wicked outfitters in kansas but i also preach that when you bring money involved in something like this that somebody might be out there going i'm gonna do whatever it takes to win fifty thousand dollars when you put that kind of bounty on a deer some people are like that's not right to do we have to educate people on why it's being done and it can be done ethically morally correct and you know legal so i look at it from both sides of the fence i support it because i i I trust those guys i respect those guys and the businesses and brands that they've built and i think it's a good cause i think they have great partners and sponsors involved in it and there are there's a lot of of intricate details being worked out so there's no loopholes in it you know as far as spotters go and making sure that people aren't doing things that they can't out of the norm shooting a buck in a different county shooting a buck out of the region shooting a buck that's not in season just because you see one i i could you know there's all kinds of things that happen in everyday america with with laws being broken and hunting but when you put that kind of money on it i'm sitting there going all right we got to make sure that we you know probably get on a soapbox a little bit and talk about hey we're hunters we're the only ones that can get this privilege revoked it's a privilege to hunt it's not our right it's not written into the declaration of independence that we have the right to hunt it's a privilege and it can be taken away at any time so with that being said the people that are entering this contest i respect you i love you 
go about it as you would do what you, you, let me see how to say this. Do what you know is right when nobody is looking just as if they were looking, you know what I mean, Chris? Because it's, we put $50,000 on something. I'm sitting here going, man, there's gotta be somebody out there that's willing to cheat. And I hope that there isn't. But when you, when you start talking about contest and hunting, like the Mallard Classic up there in Augusta and stuff, I've always kind of been, uh, I, don't, I just don't think you need to put a bounty. They've been doing it in fishing for years. Bassmasters, the FLW, all the contestants are on one lake. They get a day or two to test the lake and fish it and understand the water and the bottoms and all, you know, all of the structure and everything. And then they release the fish when they're done weighing them in, right? That's the biggest thing. They and they got and they're, and they're they're being spotted by people around the lake to where there's no there's I don't know it's that's considered ethically correct. You pull a fish out of the water, you put it in a live well, you get it back, you weigh it in, it stays wet, it stays alive, and then they release them back into that lake. And in Bassmasters, there's million dollars won in that in those events. So I don't know. It's it's one of those deals where when you put hunting and killing on it, you have to be careful. And Steve and Clint have worked out the details. And you go to nawtc.com, get all of those details, details how to register, the, the regulations and the laws. you got to abide by them in the different states you're hunting. This happens in Canada. you got to abide by the laws up north of the border. And you have to do it right. Because, again, $50,000 is $50,000. You can make money with your eyes closed. That should not be the motivational fact. It's about getting involved in something to keep hunting at the forefront and show people that we can do it right and do it ethically. And we don't need to break the law. And I bring that up because I just see what happens when money's involved and when people have a chance right. to win it. I'm in support of it. I can't wait for it to go down. I want it to get big. I want it to grow. And I don't want any issues with it. I want, it, I want the NAWTC to thrive for many years to come. I, like I said, I love the organizers. I love the partners and sponsors that are involved. Michael Waddell is the title sponsor with his brand, Bone Collector. And for 300 bucks, you get in. And once you pay that 300 bucks, you get a prize package already worth more than that with the with the Tacticam, you know, those little POV point of view cameras to film your own hunts like you do. You probably film yourself driving and you love looking in mirrors and shit from what i've seen so far um did you go through drive through today no you're off the fast food right yeah when was the last time you had fast food mm. don't lie i saw you to sub sandwich today well, i'm not of, gonna lie a lot, I, of, I lot, of, some, lot of bread in that sub sandwich i ate some chick-fil-a the other day <laughs> that's kind of that's that's almost acceptable you know chick-fil-a is the bomb it is he's good good it that is. chicken good boy it's good so you're off the fast food 2019 NAWTC, the North American Whitetail Championship, brought to you by our friends Michael Waddell and the Bone Collector crew down there in Booger Bottom, Georgia. Wicked Outfitters, Kansas, Steve Schmidt, Clint Walker, the entire crew there. They have done their homework, guys. Go about it the right way. Remember, this is a privilege. It's a privilege to get to be a contestant in the 2019 championships. It's going to be a bigger privilege to be crowned the champion, but let's do it right, and let's not have any questions unanswered. Let's go in there and show them that hunters are who we say we are, and we do things legitimate. We care about the animals. We have compassion for the animals, and we're not going to let anybody down and ever give anybody an excuse to try to mess with our lifestyle, the culture, and everything that we get to enjoy in Mother Nature's and God's great outdoors. Today's episode is also brought to you by by jargon game calls jargongamecalls.com the small mouth the or the small talk the loud mouth and the icebreaker the first three duck calls they released have been a hit so far they have a couple new calls coming out in 2019 so go on to that website jargongamecalls.com listen to the audio files watch the videos look at the single reads look at the double read figure out what calls right for you contact the guys at jargon game calls on instagram in a private message or through the info page and the contact us page on the website ask them whatever you want about 
about how the calls are made, where they're made, what materials are used, what's the difference between the three models that are offered right now, what color combinations are available in those different models right now. Jargon game calls, they are bad to the bone. They got a lot of mallard duck built into them and they are made by duck hunters, craftsmen, and dreamers. I love that. Made by duck hunters, craftsmen, and dreamers. It's easy to have a dream. It's easy to have an idea, but to put it into fruition and try to grow a national brand, I give kudos to these guys at Jargon. They're young. They just launched it in January. We're actually a little bit of a part of it here at Bandit in the Foul Life, and I'm excited as heck about it. So uh, please go on there and at least check them out. I know what duck callers are. They're fanatics. They're collectors. They might not use a Jargon call every day on their lanyard. I My money... If I'm a betting man, my money says that they will once they put this call to their lips and hear the sounds and the pure duck that comes out of it. So jargongamecalls.com, another great sponsor of This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. And last but not least, today's episode is brought to you by Elk Ridge Knives, part of the master cutlery group of knives and knifeware. We are so proud to have them on as a partner. They keep an edge, they are sharp, and we love to stay sharp. Whether we're building the blind with their saws and their axes, their machetes, we're cutting down limbs or something to build our blind or stuff our blind with with that natural vegetation, whether we're using their kitchen culinary sets to prepare our bounty or one of their butchering knives to butcher up a duck or a deer, they got skinning knives for coyotes, whatever you do, living wild, living off the land, living that organic wild lifestyle, Elk Ridge Knives is there for you to make sure that you're never left out there there with something that's dull because you cannot get anything done being dull you understand that chris you don't want to be dull buddy you don't want to sit there in the corner with the dunce hat on being dull right right chris that's right give me a little bit of validation stay sharp america elk ridge knives mastercutlery.com <clears throat> find them on instagram at elk ridge evolution or m tech evolution i love the m tech line of knives as well we certainly are blessed to have them as a partner we cannot wait until the season starts so we can start cutting more meat off the bone and getting it shrink wrapped and making sure that we keep it perfect in the freezer depending on when we want to eat it sometimes we eat it right in the hotel or the lodge parking lot sometimes we freeze it and have a big party towards the end of the year invite all of our friends and family and throw down on seven or eight nine ten a dozen duck recipes wild duck speckle belly duck chris you got something to add to that about master cutlery elkridge well, I can tell you this. You gave me a set of Elk Ridge knives, and they truly stay sharp. They really do. You know, my wife uses them more than I do at the house, but, you know, one thing I do like about them is, is you know, the set that you gave me is that uh, the sharpener is amazing versus every other sharpener I've ever used. Swipe it a couple times, boom, you're ready to rock and roll. But um, I love them. What I love about them is that there's an application for everything. The pocket knives, the fooling knives, the straight edge knives, the straight blades, the machetes, the saws, the axes. They have something that you as a duck hunter, as a deer hunter, as a turkey hunter, as a fisherman, you need them in your boat. You need them in your UTV. You need them in your toolbox in the back of your truck. You always are going to need some type of knife or machete or axe or saw. Like I said, the fooling saw that Elk Ridge makes is so badass for cutting limbs down or something. You know, if you get somebody's permission to use the natural vegetation on their land, to stuff your blind make a blind you know you get in a tree row in kansas and you build up a panel blind you put all the natural vegetation to hide from those lesser canadas and mallard ducks elk ridge is there they have it all so check yeah, them out a ton of options yeah a ton of options and I, i'm so impressed with the blades and how long they stay sharp and again they're you sharpen you're gonna have to sharpen every knife you ever buy 
these stay sharp for a long time they're dependable just be safe with it because i've nicked myself getting you know getting too gung-ho about carving breasts and tenderloins off of mallard ducks they are sharp they will nick your ass so be careful elk ridge evolution thank you guys so much for the support of the podcast we could not do it for without you and chris i appreciate you throwing that in there so you're using elk ridge on a daily basis eh oh yeah yeah me and my wife use it at the house like shout out to ashley shout out to ashley cifrio <laughs> Yeah, we're definitely using them, so we enjoy them. I do too. So Elk Ridge Evolution, that's the last sponsor I'm going to message. Today's episode is brought to you by the 2019 North American Whitetail Championships. Jargon Game Calls at jargongamecalls.com, at Jargon Game Calls on Instagram and Facebook. And last but not least, Elk Ridge Evolution, Elk Ridge Knives. I love them. They're part of the Master Cutlery Group of Knives. Thank you all so much for the support. And today's episode is getting ready to start now. Welcome to This Life Ain't For Everybody. So we ended the first talk with the question I was going to ask you. I asked you to do some homework and figure out how we answer this because I want to be able to tell people like I was, I was using that loudmouth when we were messing around blowing at my wall yesterday. You know, we had this mural here on the studio of all these mallard ducks coming down through the trees in Prairie Wings, Arkansas, down by Stuttgart which again, we're very humbled to be able to hunt. Thank you, Brandon and Joel and Todd and Brian for always inviting us with open arms. But we're calling at it and I'm using the loudmouth. Chris was using the small talk and I love that loudmouth, but I'm not the world's best duck caller, but I'm a little bit proficient on a duck call. Can you at least give me that, Cifrio? Oh, no, don't say great. Great, I'm, I'm, I'm average above, maybe a little bit below the Mendoza line. No, you're good. Okay, so you're let's good. say I'm okay. I love the loud mouth, but when somebody says, well, what call would you buy? Let's say once they got enough money saved up to buy one call. Of course, it depends on where they're hunting. Mm-hmm. Or does it depend on their talent level? What do you tell somebody? They say, okay, I want to buy one single read. Or your choice is the loud mouth or the small talk. What's the difference? The difference is, is application again, where you're hunting at. That's really what it comes down to. Are you hunting an open place? Or are you hunting a place that's really tight and you need to get real soft on it uh, the loud mouth will get extremely loud you like the loud mouth in my opinion because you can lean on it you you really can lean on it a lot without breaking it over get that loud duck that loud boss in get that hard feed chatter and you can also do that on the small talk but the small talk the volume level is you know a tad bit lower so if a guy's picking out a call, for one thing, I'm going to push a guy to a small talk. If a guy's an, uh, you know, not an advanced caller and a caller that's basically what I consider, you know, a weekend hunter that still can run a call, can run a single read, but wants a call that can do it all, I'm going to, you know, convince him to get a small talk. That's what my opinion on, you know, that would be as far as, you know, as a small talk. I tend to lean towards the small talk when I pick up a call. And the reason why is because I like finesse. I like the bottom end. The small talk has a little bit more finesse on the bottom end than a loud mouth does. And, you know, you can still get those loud boss hens, but it's not going to be the volume level is going to be lower. So if you're on open water and you're not hunting a tight spot and you're really hunting traffic, birds that are basically migrating, and you're having to yell at them, the loud mouth all the way. So are you saying, though, that on the small talk, you can stand on it still and still get loud and break ducks down that are high? You can lean on it, and you're not going to crack it over. You know, you're not going to, 
you know, crack that call over to where it, it cuts out on you. That's what's so good about all of our calls is they, you know, you can lean on them real hard and they won't crack over and lock down on you. But the loud mouth out of all of them, you can really get that real loud bark. You can bark when I call. You can, you know, do a loud boss hen, a real aggressive boss hen. But you can also come down and get low on the bottom end too. You just can't get all the finesse out of that call like you can a small talk. Small talk has a smaller exhaust. It's, you know, broken down a little bit, you know, more as far as tighter to where it will give you that back pressure to where you can whine on it. You, you can, you know, get those soft, soft quacks on it. So, go ahead. It's quite a bit smaller as far as the inside diameter of the bore goes as it opens up towards the end of the insert. I'm looking at a small talk compared to a loudmouth right now. Is that, how important are the tolerances when it comes to that borehole? Extremely important. I can tell you this, I went through them, you know, again, building the call, I constantly changed that you know, making little adjustments here and there and there and there. And actually, um, you know, I've come up with the exhaust. That exhaust has been in effect about six or seven years uh, that I'd, I'd come up with it on a on a uh, prototype. And I grabbed that exhaust. I was, I was, you know, going through a bunch of different exhausts, trying to find exact one, which would be the best. And I took that one and cut it because I had that program on my machine. And I cut it. And it just came out right as soon as I blew it. I knew that it was the one, and that's why you know it kind of, hence the small small talk came about because it it had a, a really a loud sound, but it was making small talk with the duck, being able to communicate with the duck and give it all the vocabulary that a duck can possibly do, or that a duck possibly does, I say, and be able to communicate with them. So um, again, if I had to pick one, it would be the small talk. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, because I know you and Clay love that loudmouth, and I'm not going to. I love the small talk, too. But the loudmouth is a badass duck call. It is. Now, if you, do you ask the consumer, like, how technical, how advanced, how experienced are you with a single read duck call? And is that, do do you automatically, if they say, well, I'm not that advanced, I don't have a lot of experience, but I do want to do use a single read, because I want to really practice so a year from now. I don't have any bad habits because I feel that you can develop bad habits on a, on a double read call or it's a read a and a half because it's a crutch and it, and it allows it for, it's a lot more forgiving than a single read, it right? Is. So if you're, if, if they say, I want to stay with the single read and you figure out what their talent level is, that's, you're going to go to the small talk too, because it's easier to control where the bore and, and the rattleness and the, and the looseness of the loud mouth is a little bit harder for a r- rookie or a beginner duck caller to blow as far as a single read goes, because you have to apply more back pressure. You have to be in control of the call more. Control. It's kind of like a Corvette to an escort. If you don't really know how to drive a car, you don't want to get in a Corvette. Is it fair to say is the loud mouth, a Corvette and the, and the, the small talk is a sports car still, but just not as fast as the Corvette? Yeah, I mean, that's a good analogy of it. I mean, that's exactly what I would say. You know, the, the loud mouth is gonna have to have a little more control. You can have to be a little more advanced on the call. And then of course, the small talk is for a guy that basically wants to learn a single read, you know, or knows a single read, and you know, wants something with more back pressure for forgiveness. Back pressure is forgiveness. You know, hold, you know, you gotta have that perfect balance of hold in a call. Our calls have about a medium hold. It's not, you know, a lot, a lot of hold in the call. 
uh, and which is good because hold is a fine line on hold to where you can stick your call. So we, we got that somewhat medium to, to tight hold in between in there and the perfect balance to where you have that back pressure, you have that hold, and that's what the small talk. Now the, the loud mouth is going to have a little less hold in it and it's going to have a little less back pressure to where, you know, again, you got to be a little more advanced to run that call. That's uh, It's good to know that, though, that somebody can work towards that. They start with a small talk and get all of that, you know, they, they really hone their skills, and then you get advanced a little bit. You can tell the difference when you hold a loud mouth in your hand. Absolutely. On, in the air application and the way that you have to really be on top of it. It's, it's less forgiving than a small talk. A small talk is way more forgiving in the single read department, in my opinion, because of that bore size. There's less air to work with. You got to understand that when you're blowing a duck call, the – the distance between the way the where that air enters the call in that barrel and to that reed where that tone board is isn't very far and it's not very far from when the sound hits that and travels out of the call so everything's happening boom minute minuscules a second right you got to be thinking like an athlete like we talked about before two or three steps ahead and you're getting all those different ducks as you call them the fine the cut the coarse the raspy and the boss when you're getting those ducks you got to be thinking like what's next what am i hitting next get my tongue in position get my jaw in position get my mouth in position get my fatty tissues in my mouth get my hand in position the fatty tissues in the palm of my hand and bouncing that sound off of it point the call up point the call down into my hand open a couple fingers flap it a little bit whatever it is you got to be thinking like an athlete two or three steps ahead so when it's a less forgiving call like the loudmouth, you have something to work towards. You start with the small talk and you hone your skills and you master that. And now all of a sudden, a year later, I'm going to go back online, jargongamecalls.com, order a loudmouth. At that time, you're like, man, they got a short barrel now. They got a competition call. And that's how duck callers are. They get the next yeah. one and the next one. They might get them in different color combinations. They might call in and get it personally engraved with their name on it or their birth date or their dog's name or whatever. They might get something written on the band or engraved on the band. So, that's cool to hear, you know, you would say your day, you're, uh, as the owner and the designer of these calls, the, one of the founders of Jargon, you're saying your go-to on a daily basis on your lanyard is going to be the small talk, but you're mainly a timber hunter. You hunt big water, but, you know, you're probably going to change your tone a little bit. But if I'm in the timber and the wind's blowing, you know, 90 to nothing, you know, 25 miles per hour in the timber, which is, you know, really, really quick, too, a little too fast as far as on the wind. But that being said, I'm going to lean over, I'm going to grab the, the loudmouth. You know, because it's going to be other carry feather. So, you know, again, I think they complement each other. They really do. A guy that really wants to have, you know, the best of both worlds should have a small talk and a loud mouth on a lanyard. And, you know, I know we don't talk about the icebreaker, but the icebreaker is a extremely good call. And for a guy that does not want to really spend extreme amount of time on a duck call practicing day in and day out and you know again he just comes in a hunting season he's you know he's still passionate about duck hunting but he's just hey look you know i want a, a duck call that i don't have to think about it i can just pick it up i can let it rip the icebreaker's there all the way i mean it is a would you smooth, hunt with it absolutely really you'll absolutely you'll go hunt timber with a double reed absolutely you don't feel like lesser of a man no you don't feel like lesser of a duck hunter because it doesn't sound any different than the single reed it, it really doesn't. But it's way more forgiving, right? Way more forgiving. We know our double read is a read and a half. I'm sure there's some companies that's that's done it before, but, you know, I basically was in the shop. I started cutting reads. 
and I took the double read and I said, let me see, you know, I don't want that as much pressure in it because it gives you a little less pressure and it gives you that ability to be able to sound like a single read duck call to get more ducks out of that double read by having that read and a half. That's what's so cool about that read and a half is, you know, the object of, of, of a, a double read, putting a read on top is, is whenever you push air into it, it's actually supposed to, that double read is supposed to push that read back down. So the balance is there and the forgiveness is even more. And plus, what it'll do when you Say put that a, one more time. I want to hear that one more time. The, 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 the meaning or the usage of that top read is to push that bottom read back yes. down clear? It's, it's to be that. stiffer. It's basically to be This stiffer. is for a double read or a read and a half? That's for read and a half. For, for a double read. You know, so a double read, you know, normally a double read is, uh, I'd have to look it up, but it's probably about an inch and a quarter long. Um, and then, of course, you have your regular standard read. So as far as, you know, the way it's applied is on a normal double read is, is you have your read that sits on top, and it actually, when you push air into it, it'll actually crack over or pick the air, pick the read up and slap against the tone board and it'll slap it down and push it down that much quicker. And it gives you that back pressure, you know, so that response time. Whenever you push air into it, it'll come back at you, come back at you. That's what a double read and plus it, by putting that read on top, you will get a lot more raspiness out of it without having to fog a window and blow hot air into it. You can blow straight, hand me one of those double reads right there, but you can blow straight cold air into it. That's straight cold air and you're getting a raspiness. Then you take and you blow the hot air and it's even that much better. That's why I said I would not have any kind of complaints as far as on, you know, blowing a double read day in and day out. I mean, it's a great call. But we came up with a read and a half and the reason why is because I just didn't find that having that length of read, that length of the top read, uh, I didn't find it needed to be that long. And so I started trimming off of it, started trimming slowly, 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 and I found that happy medium where it needed to be. And some of the drawbacks of having a dub read historically is that it sounds like a dub read. And so on the read and a half, you know, it gives it that single read sound. So you're still getting a single read sound out of it versus, you know, having that double read sound out of it and kind of somewhat distorted. So And one thing about it normally on a double read too is is the fee call. The fee call on a double read tends to be a little harder. That's why people will go ticka 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 versus ka 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 ka. So on this double read, on the one that we designed, the, the icebreaker, you can blow into it, and you can actually hear and and do a ka 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 and get a really good feed out of it, and it's got rattle on it. <laughs> So you can hear that it 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 sounds just like a duck and that's a double read that's a double read. or you call it a read and a half but i'm holding one here too and why what doesn't it do that the loud mouth and the small talk will do if it sounds that good and that much like a single read and it sounds that mallardly what won't it do 
the biggest thing with a double read is is that or double read is that you won't have nearly the the power that you can achieve with the loud mouth. The small talk and the icebreaker are very, very similar in loudness and so in volume. But the, the one thing I can say about the double read is, is that I think the biggest difference is it has a little more of a fine, you can get a fine, you can get a coarse, you can get a raspy out of it. But it tends to be more like young ducks in my opinion it sounds more like young ducks can is your ear trained enough to where if you're 50 yards from a hole and you hear somebody can you say that's a single read or a double read if they're blowing a traditional double read yes not this one though no so you wouldn't have any qualms about it if telling qualms about it if telling somebody you'll love our read and have no, I mean, normally what I'll do is actually I'll take this double read and I'll put it in my bag. And if I got a guy that's learning how to duck hunt because I love teaching, I'm going to have one in the bag. And I'm going to say, hey, man, blow this this morning because he's going to sound good on it. Every person I've come across that's blown one of our calls that really don't have any kind of history in duck calling at all, they blow it and they sound really, really good on it. They might not be able to, you know, get those, you know, uh, hunting style hills or anything like that and they might do some ticka 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 you know normally a guy that's basically gets on a call for the first time they don't they don't use that pressure they don't know how to do that pressure on a call that you pop it just <laughs> they'll usually go <laughs> and so they don't start that read and stop that read but that's fine you know the biggest thing is is in, in my opinion is trying to make a call that's user friendly that the average Joe guy, because there's some people that are not crazy, crazy, crazy about calling every single day. They don't go around the house and aggravate their wives or whatnot. A lot of people do, but there's still guys that basically, you know, are fishing or whatnot during the summertime, and they don't have a lot of time to practice on a duck call. So having a duck call that is forgiving, those guys can pick up this duck call, go hunting, and not have to worry about practicing day in and day out and really learning to call so if you're gonna if you're going to let's say a guy has all three of our calls on his land you're the loud mouth the small talk and the icebreaker is there any instance in a hunt that you would ever go to a double read before you pick up the small talk let's say you can control them all i know the loud mouth we already went over it's a little bit harder to control even though it has a lot of built-in duck in it would you ever grab that icebreaker for any instance or anything that's going to happen during that hunt? The only way, the only way that I would, I mean, I have no, you know, cons as far as on basically blowing a double read, but the, the only time I'd ever pick it up is if I'd been hunting for five or six days and I'm just tired. I'm just wore out because I don't have to think about it as much. That's when I would use it, and that's when I would tell somebody else that, you know, hey, look, why don't you try this double read out? Or somebody's in the hole, and they're just not sounding good on a single read. <laughs> you know, uh, I might do that. You, uh, might, you might be like, hey, try this yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, there's been times. You've I'll done walk, that to me before. Well, no, there's been times I walk up to somebody and be like, hey, can I pull your read out just a little bit? Because <laughs> the whole time is dee, 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 and there's no ras to it because they're not opening their throat. But, you know, um, I love getting in the hole while we're sitting there the camaraderie and everything is going on and and talking to people and basically talking about duck calls and and i'm not a professional at it you know i don't blow competitions or anything like that i just i never got into it 
I like building duck halls, I like manufacturing them, I like the changes, I like building new things. And so what I really like to do is, is when I'm in a hole, I like to get with that guy that maybe wants to learn, you know, because as long as you're humble, you know, you can always learn something, something else from somebody else. I mean, I do. You know, there's guys that I get in the hole with and, hey, look, how'd you do that, man? You know, and I'll learn from them because there's there's so many different there's so much there's so broad of a vocabulary that the ducks use. You know, there's different things that are evolving. I think the ducks are kind of evolving. I mean, like the tree frog, you know, you know, a lot of people never heard that before. You know, guy, uh, good friend, Jonathan Morton with Echo Calls. He told me about it. You know, we talked about that before. The ducks are competing. He said he used to work at a mallard farm. And the ducks, he'd throw feed out on the ground. And they'd be competing on And they'd be hopping over the top of each other. And Jonathan's amazing on doing that. He really is. I mean, he's perfected it. But, you know, again, the vocabulary. And we were talking jargon right there. So, you know, I love teaching I love people to, you know, get on one of our calls and, and get proficient with it and, and learn it to the fullest because at the end of the day, like I said, you know, I don't know if everybody's like me, but I'm not going to leave my duck calls at home I'm, or accidentally leave my duck calls at home. I might accidentally leave my shotgun, but I'm, I still love to shoot them. I love to shoot a shotgun, but I like working them. I like seeing them come through the trees and then saying – That's the best part about duck It is. The dog's cool. I love it. I love – being with your dog and your buddies and all that, but just the the, I guess just the association and the interaction that the human being has with a wild duck and the conversation that you're having, and being able to get them at thirty yards, but saying I'm gonna let them go one more pass because you might lose them, you right. might lose that group, but if you get them and they're at ten yards and you see them like with their necks bowed out looking for a place to land on that water and back flapping their wings with their big orange feet down. I don't know if there's anything better in hunting. I mean, I get, I, the, the, you know, the, the ghost of the woods, the whitetail coming in 180, 165 inch buck and you're an archery hunter. That's powerful. I know that it can shake you up, but to be able to have the amount of ducks do it every year that we get to see from Canada to the Dakotas, the, every flyway that we have, we get to experience it quite a few times humbly humbling it humbles us that we get to do it so much in in the livelihood or the the profession that we're in and it still smokes me and destroys me every time i think the reason why it, it you know basically just blindsides me and, and makes me just love it so much is that those ducks are here today and going tomorrow yeah migrate and they migrate you know you can't figure them out yeah, you can figure them out for one day, but I guarantee you, as soon as you think you figured them out, you'll go in there and they'll throw you a curveball because they always do. And that's what I love about it is, you know, flight birds. And I like hunting. You know, I grew up hunting traffic, you know, in Louisiana, off the Mississippi River, hunting traffic, hunting these big flocks of mallards that would come over. They weren't coming in there to eat. They really weren't coming in there to rest. They were just migrating. And we stopped their there's, migration. There's nothing better in duck hunting than a migrator day and cutting them I off. I mean, and it's they, awesome. And working them from – and I, I've been at places like up at Grand Pass up by Kansas City. Yeah. And there's a little private airport close to there. You see you hear some planes taking off. And then – There's a jet taking off. And you look up and it's just a silver streak. And you're like – Lay back. Oh, my gosh. 
and they're just letting it out and you're just, and it's 50 of them and the next thing you know you're working and boom they're in the decoys kill four or five of them yeah wait five minutes it's a migrator day and yeah it doesn't happen very often but when it does man it's like one of the best spectacles in all of life even your is. kid being born oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going on record as saying it i'm going on record as saying it you would rather be in the delivery room watching your kid get born than watching the 50 mallards on a migrator day hit the decoys chris come on I'd what do you got i'd rather have my kid with me oh nice political <laughs> answer but <laughs> nice political. i'm just messing around but dude i'm telling you when they let it out and they it's like they put their wings back and they put their breastplate out in front of them and if you ever seen superman fly he gets that chest out there and that cape's back and that's exactly what those ducks are doing just and it's just like a rocket man just a kamikaze coming down out of the atmosphere I, they might have just flown freaking 800 miles I know. and they see that water i like hunting them on water on a migrator day yeah. i'm not saying you can't get them over dry land but they're looking for water they they're parched they're thirsty they need to get in the water they want to rest they rest on water they sleep on water not to say that they won't go into a snow-covered cornfield and rest but ducks are looking for water on a migrator day i think geese are as well not to say that you're not going to decoy them into a field on a migrator day i've done that but i love doing it over water more especially with mallard ducks Oh yeah, and that just you know that that whole experience of a migrator day, you're just like, see migrator day. That's a that's jargon. Like people in deer yeah. hunting, they might not. There's a migration, I guess, from the wintering range back to the summer range and all of that. You know, deer migrate. Why wild animals migrate? But it's truly a, a thing for wild ducks and wild geese. They migrate from way up north to the southern part of America. Some into Mexico. There's ducks doing it from Brazil down into Argentina. They migrate in the wintertime down there in June, you know, May, June, July. It's just a spectacle, man, to see it. When you see flight ducks and you can break them down. It's well, you take a guy that's never been hunting before. I took my two little girls, you know, they had never been hunting before. I put them in a hole. There was migrators coming. And as soon as daylight hit, here comes these just die bombing in the hole. They'd never been before. And both the, all their eyes were just lit up. Oh my God, this is awesome, you know. And they didn't have to kill anything. No, it neither, wasn't neither, about that. Neither do I now. And now they're addicted. They are absolutely It'll addicted. Addiction now. just takes a person. That's why it's so important when you're bringing a newcomer, or a lady, or a man, or a kid, or whatever. You want to put them on some confidence. On you, you don't do. want to spoil them. Right. But if they get to see something that special. And, and I love it because you talk about a newcomer and then somebody like me that I haven't been doing it my whole life. I started duck hunting in 97, 98. And then you got somebody like you that's probably been hunting ducks since you were five. A lot of people that, that grew up in the duck woods. I'm from Nevada. We, we got some ducks, but we're not a duck hunting state per se. We're more of a, a sheep state, a mule deer state, an antelope state, stuff like that, a Rocky Mountain elk state. We have some ducks. I'm not saying that the hunting sucks here, but not anywhere like arkansas does or missouri or washington or idaho or california minnesota there's so many more ducks in those states than we have our prime here we probably got eighty thousand ducks you know in, in the places to hunt around here which is it's quite a few ducks but it's nothing like having millions around the area or five hundred thousand. but i think that what's so cool about it is you talk about bringing a newcomer like that and then you have somebody like for instance we're in at Honeybreak in louisiana you know Honeybreak down there yeah. drew keith and all the guys unbelievable place and it was right it was it, it happened twice in the last three years to where stuttgart froze 
There was a time, not last year, but the year before, to where there was like three freezes in, in Stuttgart. And the year before, there was one really hammer freeze mm -hmm. to where you couldn't even, you could walk on the ice in the woods. Ducks aren't going in the woods when there's ice. No. They might go in a rice field to eat and, you know, keep a hole open, but they're migrating out of there. So when we knew that, we left Arkansas, we went down to Honeybreak. We were already scheduled to do it, but we're leaving right when it's freezing. I'm talking with Brandon, the guys, he's like, it's, it's not good up here. I mean, we're trying to keep the holes open, but even when there's a little hole of open water in the woods and the rest of it's froze, those ducks are real yeah, weird. I mean, they're just like, oh, that ain't right. That ain't right. <laughs> and I look at my watch and I asked Drew Keith and, and Christian Curtis, I said, how long would it take a mallard duck to fly from Stuttgart to Honeybreak? I asked them that on film. And they went, two hours probably? Yeah. I said, we're going to kill them at 10 or 10, 15. Just messing around. You know, just, if it happens, I look like a genius. If it doesn't, I just look like another guy blowing smoke up somebody's ass. It happened. All of a sudden, and look up and all them ducks that we were chasing in Arkansas two days before now we're decoying them and I'm talking decoying them in block you know sets of decoys that were probably I'm going to say 30 dozen 30 to 50 dozen is what they run in those blinds and and, and, and I might be exaggerating a little bit but no, not much right. yeah. in, in Louisiana you're from there and we're lighting groups of 50 to 100 mallards at a time with they're some hungry. with some sprig mixed in, they're hungry. They're starving. Mm -hmm. Flew 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 the last couple hours getting out of Arkansas, and now they're coming down to eat that rice at Honeybreak. And we're like, wow, what a cool lifestyle. We just were hunting these in Arkansas, and now they're landing in our decoys. It took us seven hours to drive here, and it took them a couple hours to fly here, which is a good bit of time to fly. Yeah, when it's cold, and you ain't got you're not in a you know a pressurized airplane. <laughs> I mean, those ducks were cold. They were hungry, and they did it so pretty. It was sunny. Windy Golly. and just I'm talking like lights out. And I look at Drew Keith, which is one of the coolest guys in the duck hunting industry, the CEO of Honeybreak, and he goes, God almighty. <laughs> he doesn't say God, he says God. God almighty. And I'm like, oh my gosh. It's really happening. We're in Louisiana. And here's what happens is that it ends up getting so cold and that that cold snap comes down, that pressure system comes down through that part of northern central Louisiana. You know, they're probably like an hour and a half or two hours south of Monroe, and it froze down there. We're putting ice eaters in in Louisiana. It had been the first time we used ice eaters besides that at freeze in Arkansas all season. It was warmer up north than it was in Louisiana. And we were, we were putting ice eaters in to keep holes open in Louisiana. And you talk about power. When you get a group of 100 green wing teal in Louisiana when it ices up and they got nowhere further south to go, and they're hitting those ice holes being kept open by those Mallard View ice eaters. You talk about magic. You get them in a ball. You know what a teal ball oh, is. Yeah. Oh my gosh! You got to. You just got to shoot once. I know. It's it's. But that's what Honey Break was the last two times I've been there. Freezes in Arkansas, migrating mallards, smashing them, calling them until their toenails are scraping the water. They're just putting little ripples in the water, and then you call them. The first ten are already sitting down, and they got forty more behind them, lighting right in the decoys. Beautiful. Killed a couple bands. Ate like kings. The migration migrator days i'm talking absolutely unbelievable um talk to me a little bit about controlling a duck call what is the most important part of the human body that helps us control a duck call is it our lips is it our teeth is it our tongue is it the way we shape our tongue is it our hand 
what is the most important part or is they all, are they all equal? And you got to learn how to use all those body parts in conjunction. I want you to answer that. And then I want you to do demonstrate a little bit. I want you to face that way with the audio. And, and, and I want you to hit the loud mouth a little bit. Then I want you to hit the small talk a little bit and just show me some control of the call coming down off of a cadence or a greeter and knowing that the ducks aren't doing what you think they're, they need to do. So you hit them again. Or, you know, another duck on the water hits them because they heard this hen mallard do it. A lot of times you do that and you hear the hen mallard in the air do it. And she answers back. Mm-hmm. And then you hit it. Yeah. And that's the bet. Oh, man, oh, yeah. I just got. You know, I just fixing fired. to do it, then. I just made myself happy thinking about that and talking <laughs> about. But think about, I want you to answer that. Like, what's the most important part? What is, what can we master as a human? What do we concentrate on the most? Is it learning how to flap our hand? Do you have to flap your hand or is no. that all for show? Talk to me a little bit about the nuances and the things that people do with the duck call and what parts of the human body are the most important of making your duck call apparatus your your you know your 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 duck caller sound the best or are they all equal and they all go and work in conjunction with each other no the i think the most important thing on the human body as far as when you're blowing a duck call is is going to be your throat it's going to come down to your throat opening and closing your throat you know if you if you can't open your throat you're not going to get real raspy on the call a lot of guys you hear blowing into a call, their their throats closed down. They're not opening it up. They're not fogging that window, and uh, you know you can still blow, you can still call like that, but you're gonna sound real high pitched. Your quacks are gonna be. There's not gonna be a lot of duck to it. When you fog a window, that's where you get that voice. That's where you get that duck that comes out of that call. Hand placement, you can literally take your hand and just hold the call and open your hand completely up and blow into it. And if a call's tuned right, you can get it to make duck sounds out of it. But everything comes together when you use your hand, when you use your throat, when you use your, not your tongue, but basically your mouth, you know, position, where the call is on your lips, you know, pinching it down or so forth. I see a lot of guys that from one from one basically thing I tell them, which is to take their mouth and actually cover the call, their calling goes from okay to extre- just a huge change. It goes from maybe a fine, real fine hen, loud pitch, you know, duck to getting real, you know, raspy and, and getting actually, you know, that voice out of it. So hand position, throat, uh, fogging a window, using your diaphragm, you know, all that comes in, you know, into play whenever you're trying to manipulate a duck call, because that's what you're doing. You're manipulating the duck call back and forth for these different sounds, you know, closing your hand off, closing your throat off, opening your throat off, throat up, you know, slowing your air down, speeding your air up, you know, putting a lot of pressure in it. You know, all that stuff comes hand in hand as far as to come together to get all these different sounds. So, what I tell people is again, is that, you know, the first thing you got to do is, is, you know, learn how to open your throat. Once you learn how to open your throat and you know how to close your throat down, your duck calling will go from okay to just extreme. I mean, just a huge change. I think that's the biggest problem I have in duck calling is that I call with too much of a closed throat. I don't know if you can hear it in my calling, but I feel like I'm constricting my airflow a little bit. I'm not grunting, but I think that I can do a better job of instead of I don't know if that makes sense to you or not but I feel like a lot of the times 
I'm, when you're looking at me and telling me and hurting my feelings that I suck at duck <laughs> calling, it's probably a lot to do with my throat. I think you hit no. it head on right there. You don't think so? No. You're a great duck caller. Great duck caller. Again, we always have, you know, places to improve just like I do. Um, sometimes I get on a duck call and I, I try to push it too hard and just run through it and make those sounds extremely quick through the call. I, I tell myself all the time I need to slow down. Because if you slow down, what will happen is, is you're going to sound more realistic. You're very quick on a call, extremely quick. Your feet calls, I can't even do my tongue that fast. I think the main thing is, is you sound real good on fast. You can speed up, but it's a matter of just slowing down a little bit. And that's what I try to tend to do. When I do a boss in, I'm slowing my air presentation down. I'm opening my throat. I'm getting that perfect air. And I'm getting more ducks out of the call by doing that. So, you know, again, if I had to say it, everything comes together. Everything comes into play when you're blowing a duck call. And the best thing to do is, is to get in front of the mirror. If you want to learn how to open your hands and close them, that's what I did to get that rhythm down. Get in front of the mirror and blow at the mirror. Really? Yeah. And then another thing, too, which we, we taught your, uh, your friend's son over there in, in St. Louis, Missouri, yeah. is take the call. If you don't think you're fogging a window, take the call take the barrel the insert completely off the call and put it up against the window you know about say an inch from it and try to fog that window when you're blowing those cadences or a quack into it you'll see that that you know that glass mirror or whatnot fog up and you know you're blowing that hot air versus cold air cold air if you go up the window and you just blow straight air what is it going to do it's not going to yeah it might fog up a little bit if it's cold outside but if you really blow hot air it's going to be straight up the mirror another thing that i've seen done is you take a piece of kleenex or a napkin yep. on a flat table yep and you if you apply the the air the correct way that you would into a duck call or a goose call or an elk bugle or a predator call if you apply the air to that napkin the correct way that napkin might flutter a tiny tiny bit but it will not move across that table yep. if you blow with that napkin it goes flying like a paper airplane so it's more like and you're, you know, you're kind of like vibrating your vocal cords. So in the call, in the back of a call, it sounds like. Blowing is. And when you blow on that napkin, it goes shooting off the table. Like if you're blowing out, like you're like you're almost 50, 55 years old. So you'd have a lot of birthday candles on your cake, right? <laughs> you'd have to blow really hard at those candles. So you'd get a big breath in and blow and blow them out. If you blew at those candles like you would in a duck call, you probably wouldn't blow any of them out. Right. They probably all stay ignited, right? So that's another thing to keep in mind is that people will pick up a call and blow into it and they lose all that tone and that pitch because they're blowing too much air through that call where you're saying slow down and get that throat and that air pressure and the vibration of your vocal cords and your larynx and, and you know heating up that window or fogging up that window or you know cleaning your sunglasses off. <laughs> or when you're a kid on a winter day, you'd fog up your mom's window and write your name in it backwards or write a message to the car that's parked, you know, stopped at a stoplight next to you there's a hot girl in the back you know you're 13 years old and you just write hey i love you or what are you doing over there you know remember when you were a kid you used to do crazy stuff like I, that i didn't do that Chad. i did <laughs> you never saw a cute girl in a, <laughs> in a station wagon and been like fogging the window and writing stuff like a heart to her maybe not a station wagon maybe a like the the, the, the van or something really I grew up the at. griswold mobile yeah 
Look, kids, Big Ben, Parliament. Unless you don't want to see the world's largest ball of twine, which is only four short hours away. You don't remember the movie Vacation? I don't. I'm going to have to do movie lines all day with you. But if you think about um, you know, your throat and the way that that air is getting to the call and how fast that air gets into the call and leaves the call, it's minute, man. It's like hitting a fastball. You only got a couple milliseconds to think about it. Pick up the pitch, pick up the spin on the ball, the rotation, the stitching, whatever it is. Is it a slider? Is it a changeup? Is it a fastball? Is it a forcing fastball? Is it a cut fastball? A baseball batter, that's the hardest thing to do scientifically proven in sports is to hit a baseball. And you only have to do it three out of ten times to be considered an all-star. Think about that. That's not yeah. a very good success rate. In baseball, it is because it's so freaking hard. So in duck calling, your success rate is probably less than that. How many times do you go out in a season? Do you bat 30% for the season where if you go out 100 times, you mash them 30? Or you go out 10 times and you mash them three? It's hard to really get in on good hunts. So right. when they do present that opportunity, you've got to take advantage of it and capitalize on it. Right. The ducks are being ducks today. It's sunny. It's windy. It's cold. You can feel it in the air. It's a nice winter morning or winter. Like I like to hunt them from 11 to two. You know, I like that midday stuff, man. When they're hunting that, when that, that thaw or they're coming, you know, they're coming into that area, they're cruising, whatever. My, that's usually when you're going to catch migrators too, is later Mm -hmm. on. They're not going to be migrating at eight in the morning. You know, I mean, maybe they will. I'm not a biologist, but you think about it. There's there, you just have, you have to capitalize on those days and to sound just like a mallard duck is so special. It brings so much to the hunt. And that's what I want you to do. I just want you to demonstrate real quick on your finesse, on your control. You can get a couple quick ones in there. I want you to show, and I don't know if we'll be able to hear it over the the uh, podcast system the, as far as the different tones, but just I just want to talk about speed and control, different ducks, different cadences, and, and mix in some of the fine, the coarse, the raspy, and the boss, and hopefully we can hear it. But just turn I'm that. I'm going to blow this double read too. So. You're going to blow the double read, and then here is a... Here's a small talk, which is a single read. And here is a loud mouth, which is our other single read, open bore. So let's start with the double read and let's just mess around a little bit. You, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna call right now. Turn a little bit more. There you go, right there. And just, just hit a couple cadences. I'm gonna open my throat up a little more and get it a little more raspy. And that's the cool thing about the double read is, I mean, it, it is versatile. That's that. When you said, I'm going to open up my throat, you could tell how, you could automatically identify the more rasp in it. In yeah. Heartbeat. And you could open up your throat on the fee call too. So on a fee call, I can keep it real tight. And then I can get a raspy. Raspiness is for getting, you know, opening my throat up, closing it down, opening my throat up. And that's all you're trying to do is, you know, all the ducks that are coming in as far as in a group of ducks, not all of them are the same age. So in a raft of ducks, you're trying to sound like a raft. Every other duck has a different voice, in my opinion. Yeah, there's some of them that are similar, but they all have their unique sound to it. So... To sound like a raft of ducks, you want to sound like different ducks. Not just throw out that same old, you ever watch uh, Walk the Line where he's like the same old song, just like this. Well, 
you don't want to do that as far as when you're duck hunting. You want to sound like a bunch of different ducks. So throw all kinds of different stuff at them. Read the ducks. Watch what they're doing. Watch their wingtips. Their wingtips are going to tell you everything. You know, so, you know, going going back and forth, if I'm calling ducks, you know, and, and say they're right on the treetops, I'm going to start getting ducky with them. start getting a little closer start looking like they're gonna go ahead and lock up and I like that hiccup that sounds good. That I like that hiccup good. call on the bottom end I finish a lot of ducks by that doing that hiccup as soon as they fixing to make that turn and they get lined up with the hole I'll start hiccuping at them and maybe throw a, a couple feed calls in, just, just you know, some bottle single, single feeds. <laughs> then you can, you know, throw a quack. I feel like that hiccup call is a confidence call to make them, they'll get on the water, get on over, the, over the top of the decoys, and they'll just find a place. It's almost like, hey guys, y'all sit down. Y'all sit down, look, take a seat. That's, a, that's kind of what that hiccup call, in my opinion. And I can't, t- I can't attest to say, hey, that, was, that came up for me. That's from watching tons of Freddie King and Echo Calls videos. You know, they would do that hiccup call. Ick, 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 and just let them come in and, and, and find a spot on the water. And by doing that, I mean, you'd be amazed. It's, a, it's kind of like a confidence call. They just... They feel comfortable coming to it. I find that ducks, when they're doing that, when they're doing that little hiccup, they're picking their wings. They just land in the water, and they're picking their wings. They're getting their wings back right, and you'll see them, that old mallet drake, kind of raise up in the water, fluff his wings one time, and then come back down and stroke his head. He'll take that head, and he'll bob it, you know? He's putting on that James Dean jacket, that Fonzie jacket. <laughs> That's what he's doing. It is he's true, strutting. like a wood duck. You like know? a turkey does. You know when a turkey fans out and yeah. starts strutting? Yeah. Even though turkeys are dumber than freaking, I don't even know what they're dumber than. What is a turkey dumber than? I don't than? know. People would say you're, you're wrong on that. Really? I'm they not can a turkey see hunter. good. Oh, yeah. They can see extremely well. That's why they depend on they their sight. They say if, you could smell, if they could smell, you'd never kill one. I don't know about that. I've done quite a bit of, with a camera in front of turkeys that you'd think they'd run off, but they just stand there going, <laughs> what are you doing? Talk like they're from Arkansas. Hold on. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> Hold on now. How do you how do you talk when you're from Arkansas? Y'all fixing to go yonder? <laughs> I mess I mess with Terry Demon all the time about what does yonder mean? What is fixing? What is y'all like? Y'all are fixing to go yonder? Like y'all? Who? How many is y'all? Is it one or is it fifty? Yeah, but y'all say, hey, uh, we're gonna go eat, eh? No, that's Can- no, Canada. I've heard. I've heard. We do it because we're messing with Canadians. Oh, we don't okay. say that out here. That's up north of the border. It's cold, eh? <laughs> Y'all might have picked it up from, from going up there. I Canada. pick up wherever I'm at. I'm the, I'm the adopted son of the South, too. I'm in Arkansas. I'm like, how y'all doing? I'm fixing to go over here and kill these ducks <laughs> yeah. over here. I'm going to go have some frog legs and some some uh, some uh, some some uh, squirrel brains, and I'm going to have a couple crawfish at the boil. That'd be South Louisiana. Now it's starting to get up in Arkansas, though. It's starting craw- to get up I, in Arkansas. I bring them out here, and boy, I love crawfish. I do, too. I love them. You want to talk about that for a little while? Remember 
remember Jeff Foxworthy when he was doing them redneck words, which did you? You didn't bring your truck, which did you? Yeah. All the freaking words. <laughs> so you got, that was the double read. That was the jargon icebreaker, the read and a half. Now pick up that small talk. I want you to turn a little bit more because I don't want to, I don't, I don't like to annoy people. But I want to lean on the, on the, Wait, on that's the icebreaker. A, on the double read, you're going to lean on a, on a read Just and a half double read right now. <laughs> See, that call can get it that's amazing really loud for for double not many can do that no absolutely not and you know the fee call on it again normally on a double read a fee call is really hard it's really hard to blow which is i got a double read right here i think what kind of defeats the purpose of a double read because you're trying to make it user friendly for you know uh, an individual to blow but yet the you know mm. it's real easy to blow quacks on I think the double read, the way it's tuned, you know, normally, historically, is it's tuned to where, for a guy that's going, ticka, 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 ticka. Oh, I don't like that. I don't either. So are you using the front of your mouth or the back of your mouth on your feed chatter for a double read? Are you doing the same one you use with a single read? So your throat. I'm trying to hang the call up and it took everything I had. The, the only time that I could hang that double read up is by putting too much, like yeah, closing off the exhaust, pressure. too much back pressure. Uh-huh. I hung it up, but it, that took everything I had. I kept trying to stick it. How's that sound? Sounds good. Are you promised? No, it really does. Are you sure? Don't you find that that double read is just so user-friendly? I like it, but I don't want to tell people I blow a it double It doesn't read. matter. We'll put small talk on yours. <laughs> and, and then just, I'll sound yeah. like a duck finally? That's not a bad idea. For any guys out there that don't want to feel like they're blowing a double read, <laughs> we'll go ahead and put small talk on it, on your insert. And I we'll don't put, think it's, I, I think that we need to break that image that it's bad to be a double reader. Bad. Marty Hesh is a double reader. You know, I know he, he blows single read sometimes, but he well, loves he blows blowing double readers. Now, Does he? Yeah, he loves small talk. Is Marty life. Hesh one of the funniest dudes in the world? Absolutely. I wonder if we called him, if he would answer, because I would like to, I would like to get, I would like to get the the Marty Hesh on the phone and just see if he just to say hello. Sometimes I do this, and sometimes they don't they don't answer because when they see my the chances of people picking up when they see my name or something. Oh my God! First ring. Hello. What are you doing? Hey, do you like jargon duck calls? Yes, I own one of every color. <laughs> We're on a podcast live right now. 
Well, it's earlier where I'm at. I'm on the West Coast. How's everything going, Marty? Chris Cifrio's out here from the court. You know, the guy with our duck call shop, and he flew he flew out, and he's in the studio with me right now. I've seen y'all with calling at some pictures. I thought y'all might have lost your mind earlier on the social media. We did, really. Ask him how much he really likes during duck calls. Be honest. Do you, honestly, Marty, do you like him? It, it, it's funny, because actually I knew y'all weren't in the wild working ducks, because one of them actually cupped up in that chicken. <laughs> Do you, do, you, do you honestly like Jargon Duck Calls, Marty? Be honest. Yeah, I love them. Everybody, I, everyone that's played them uh, loves them. We're fans here in Northeast Arkansas. Need to give me a big batch. You know, they're easy to sell during duck season. This year, we'll have them ready. We're going to be in that new spot. Going to be around some new people. Oh, I can't wait. Was that, was, I don't know if that was, but was that, was a, was that an was invite? invite? Was that an invite? Was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wish I was at the corner right now cooking crappie with you. Man, it's, uh, we're ready. It's just around the corner. Getting uh, quit right. Yeah, we need less rain. All right, well, I just wanted to say hello, and uh, we uh, wanted to hear your voice, and I will let the guys in Nashville know about the birthday party. All right, man, that sounds good. I'll holler at you. Just come on over. I'm going to try. Send me send me the invitation on a, on a text. I know you. You'd feel like you and all that. No, I'd, I'd love to be there. Well, you might want to get rock out. Well, I'll I'll get in touch with them guys and let them know, and then we will see you soon at the corner. Sounds good, bud. Thanks, Dad. Take Thanks, it easy, Marty. Old Marty Hash. Do they come any better than him? Oh no, he's awesome. He loves he's too, always man. good. He he's always it. good vibes, ain't he? Yeah. If you like pina colada, <laughs> getting caught in the rain. If you're not into yoga, if you have half a brain, hey, look at this. If you like making love at midnight, if this gig don't work out, dude, in the dunes of go, the Cape, go get your. You know, I'm the one that you or... long for. <laughs> come with me and escape. You don't like that song? I bet you. Oh, like, I love this song. I bet you like come, come, like come, 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 chameleon. You come and go. My, my thing is some. Uh, you know, here lately, man, I have been listening to Jamie Johnson constantly. Grandpa, what's this picture here? It's all black and white. It ain't real clear. Is that you there? He said, yeah, I was 11. <laughs> or do you like, uh, I want to rock right now. I'm Chad B and I came to get down. I'm not internationally known, but I'm known to rock this microphone because I get stupid. I mean, outrageous. Stay away from me if you're contagious because I'm a winner. No, not a loser. To be an MC is what I choose. Her. Ladies love me. Girls adore me. I mean, even the ones that never saw me like the way that I rhyme at a show. The reason why, man, I don't know. So let's go, cuz. <laughs> That's You're wide open all the time. That's, that's just a little hip hop. I'm just, I'm just bringing. I could do, I could do Andrea Bocelli. I could do Pavarotti, or I could do Dean Martino. When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore. Hey, when the stars make you drool like the pasta fazul, you're in love. Como se dice in Italiano, a duck hunter, la cacciatore di Anatra, the duck hunter, la cacciatore di Anatra. Capiche? Capiche. All right, I'll make you an offer you can't refuse. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Cut your mallard's head off and put it in your bed with you. You. <laughs> Jeez. Am I, that's ADD. I want to ride a bike. <laughs> Do you think I have ADD? 
talking about duck calls, then Marty, then crappie, (laughs) and then movie lines. I like it all. I like movies. I like music. I like hip hop. I like, I mean, you know how big of a Guns N' Roses fan I am. You want me to sing? No, no, stop there. (laughs) All right. Back to what we were talking about with, I'm starving. God, I'm always hungry. I know. I'm starving. I'm in the mood. Plain and simple. I need food. Slide to the kitchen and stuff my face, leaving not one crumb in the place. Is you should have set that Traeger, put the temperature out. We could have put. I'm gonna, steak I'm gonna cook lunch tomorrow. I'm gonna cook a Traeger lunch tomorrow. I'm gonna cook you a little tri-tip. You ever heard of tri-tip? In the South, they don't have it. What is that? It's a piece of beef. I'm gonna educate you on tri-tip tomorrow. Reverse seared with this rub by my boy Chad Ward at Whiskey Bent Barbecue down there in Florida. He come up with this rub called the Rocks. He's got a couple different variations coming out now, but it's called the Rocks. It is the best red meat beef rub or on ducks, elk, deer. There's some wild game rubs out there that are just as good, but on beef, this rub is unreal. It tastes like you marinate the steak in butter almost. Like it is so, and there's there's no marinade, there's no olive oil, there's no butter. No margarine, nothing except this dry rub massaged into this tri-tip or a T-bone or a ribeye or a New York or a filet, and you eat it, and you're like, good Lord. Like, I'm that's amazing. Guy. So we'll get some filets tomorrow on your credit card. <laughs> like, if you just said that you're a top sirloin dude, I'd yeah, have bought. I'm a top sirloin dude, dude. <laughs> you are. You're a flank steak, dude. <laughs> if you were a steak, you'd be a flank. So when I was blowing that double read, did it sound yeah. all right? Yeah. Absolutely. Promise? Yes, sir. What would what would you say I need to work on besides my overall appearance? Slowing down. Slowing down? I was going yeah, let's, slow. Let's, let's try to slow down. All right. Let me find a double read. This yeah, is a double read right here. Oops. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like dominoes. Got so many duck calls in front of me, I don't know what to do. Oops. Dude, quit hitting that mic, bro. Sorry. Your biceps are so big. <laughs> <laughs> man, pumping iron, man. Like Tommy Boy. You know where the gym is? Yeah. He's like that, filling in that line yeah. and it says, it says our, the signers of the Declaration of Independence, blank Hancock. And he writes Herbie <laughs> instead of John. Herbie Hancock. That's an easy one. You don't remember that movie oh, yeah. either? No, I remember that. Did I hear a niner in there? Are you talking on a walkie talkie? You're the one with the candy coated shell, Richard. Shut up. You don't remember that? Oh, yeah. Okay, double read, slowing down. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to scoot away from this microphone. I'm going to turn the mic away from me a little bit. Even slower than that. Killing you not to go fast. So what I mean. That's on a double read.
Is that right, good so, or does that suck? Uh, that's good, but I'm I need to I'm I'm looking up the definition right now of slow for you. <laughs> that slow, was slow. slowing down. That was slow. Was it? Slow and low. That so is, is the slow. tempo. This is slow. <laughs> Fee call slow. that was much slower than what i was doing really i don't think so well, we're gonna play it back this is all being recorded yeah. so i'll catch you in a lie yeah catch me <laughs> immediately already putting guilt on me so that was the small talk or that was yeah, a loud mouth that was small talk so was it much different i i can't tell a whole lot of difference okay so i'm side to side right here watch wait turn a little small talk. turn away a little bit more from the mic all the way so i can't see your face small talk i don't want to see your face at all okay. a little bit more i still see your cheek more okay there Keep going, keep going. That was a small talk. I want to hear it a little bit more. Okay, now go to the double read. Now that was a single read small talk, which is our small bore single read. Now this is an icebreaker, the double read. that double read sounds good but i i personally when you switched i knew right away that you were even though you told me where i could tell the difference in sitting in the studio and hearing it it's hard when you i would call up tim grounds or somebody back in the day freddie and blow a call over the phone for him it's hard to hear the duckiness or the goosiness in a call over the phone or over over a podcast but in real life sitting here with you i can tell the difference and i appreciate the sound of the small talk more than i do the icebreaker the icebreaker sounds elementary. It sounds um, very monotone, kind of like what you're talking about. Johnny Cash is. Oh, am I going back into singing? Oh no! Stop. I walk into a burning ring of fire, and he just sounded like that on all them songs. Right? I love Johnny Cash, but out of all of those guys that I call the four tenors, right, the Highwaymen, Chris Christopherson, which probably has one of the worst voices in country music history, but I love him to death, and he is probably the best songwriter in country music history. One of them. But he couldn't sing very good, in my opinion. He wrote me and Bobby McGee. Busted flat in Baton Rouge. I headed for the train. Remember that song? Mm-hmm. You need to hear that one. Then you got Johnny Cash, who's a stud. Then you got Willie, whose voice is awesome and very distinctive, right? On the road again. 
I just can't wait to get on the road. I don't know mm-hmm. how I know that nasally schnauzer. And then you got the best of all time, in my opinion. It's an argument right there between Merle Haggard and then the fourth highwayman, Waylon Jennings. Waylon G.D. Jennings. You know who he is? Oh, yeah. God, is he pretty. Like, the way he sings, you're just like, and he, he put no effort into it. He just That was his voice. Like, Jamie, when Jamie talks, he sounds like when he's singing. Jamie's got one of the best voices in country music history. Stapleton's arguably the best right now. Jamie Johnson was our Chris Chris or was our Chris Stapleton before Chris was Chris, right? Like Jamie Johnson is a badass. But you hear that monotone of the Johnny Cash kind of voice. That's what that icebreaker reminds me of. It's funny that you brought that up. It it reminds me of just one duck where that there's so much versatility in that loud or in that small talk and that loud mouth just i can get duck out of my double read out of this icebreaker but i feel so much duckier on a small talk or a loud mouth does that make any sense at all yeah or am i confusing you i know that you're an arkansas educated performance <laughs> oh, kid <God. laughs> i'm gonna piss off everybody nobody in arkansas is gonna buy duck on now i know just kidding, Arkansas. I'm, I'm from Arkansas now. I mean, I'm not originally from there, but... You're from Louisiana. Yeah. What is the correct way to pronounce... Is Louisiana. It, no, Louisiana. It's, it's Louisiana. Louisiana or Louisiana. Louisiana. Y'all ever been down there to Baton Rouge? Hey, that's where I'm from. You know what Baton Rouge means? Yeah. The little red stick, yeah. right? Yeah. It was something to do with the war, right, down there. There was something to do. If you read up the history on oh, the Baton yeah, Rouge, and then there was something to do with the Pepper Company, MC. What's the company's name that makes Tabasco at Avery Island? Avery Island. Yeah, but there's a company that makes that. Tabasco. It's not Tabasco, I don't think. I don't know if that's the name of the company. I might. Isn't it like JW? God, I don't know. But anyway, they on. use a Baton Rouge to go out and and de- depict the color of their peppers. And when it's that perfect color of that red stick, the red stick is Baton Rouge. They hold it up to the peppers and they know that they're ripe and ready to be picked when they are that color of that. That's where, how they- Where did you read this up at? Man, I'm, I, dude, I'm telling you, look it up. I've been to Avery Island. I've been to Lafayette. I've been to crawfish boils all over Baton Rouge and Gonzales and New Orleans and Venice and all the way down in the coast and catching them tunas and stuff. I love Louisiana. I'm the adopted son of the South. Y'all come back now here. And I, it's I, some of the best food. I mean, you just not, Some you, of. You, there's you, not better food in America. No, there's not. There's Fish not. is my favorite food anyway. Redfish. I love sushi. I'm a sushi freak, and I love pho. I love Vietnamese soup with, like, a little bit of cow tongue in it or brain or tendon. The tendon on a cow is like eating butter. Oh, it's yeah. so good. Or just rare steak. You put the rare steak in there raw, and then it cooks itself in that hot broth. Getting broth on fuzz is tough to do. But fish, Louisiana, the way Louisiana's cooked, a lot of it gets, you know, there's a lot of butter involved and a lot of, but the way they spice it up, the gumbos, the etouffees, all of that stuff, red beans and rice, it's amazing talent to make a good roux from scratch absolutely just like it is to make a good italian gravy for pasta or a good gravy for biscuits tomato gravy leith lofton's mom in mississippi makes a tomato gravy make you slap your mama like you're like speaking of slap your mama they sell it out west now the seasoning salt we've had tony chastries for a while now they sell slap your mama sashries is it chastries how do you pronounce it sashries no i'm gonna argue that too no tony sashries sashries um boudin Jambalaya. Oh, I got boudin. That's what we're going to eat for lunch tomorrow. I got seafood. I got crawfish. I got boudin burritos. Oh, I got, I'm so glad you said that. Tomorrow we're going to have mule deer steaks and boudin for lunch on the train. Boudin. 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 Booty. <laughs> Y'all got any of that booty over there? Crackling. 
crack. Oh, those are good too. Yeah, they are. But that's like a freaking heart attack waiting to happen. It is, but you eat. I mean, two of them. Two of them, your cholesterol goes to 190. No oh, yeah. problem. Absolutely. But you've been in that drive-through line at McDonald's for about 10 months in a row. Big Macs. You, I'm waiting to get back on them Big Macs. Are you really? Yeah. They're in the hunting season. Um, it's got like 1,000 calories in a Big Mac. <laughs> okay, so we're, we're on this roll on these podcasts. We did one earlier today. We did that on camera for the new jargon branding video getting ready to be released by TFL Productions in the calendar year of 2019. Get ready. As we scour the continent for the world's best duck hunters and best duck call operators, Chris Sifrio finds his way through the flooded timber of Arkansas in his edge boat with a mud motor on it, not saying which brand at this time right now. He looks for mallard ducks as the sun comes up. He feels that wind on the back of his neck. He tastes that hot coffee out of that tumbler cup from Gator as he applies his hand to the top of the head of his dog, Lexi. This is the life and times of Chris Sifrio. He set a new world record in the town of Searcy, Arkansas. He ate 73 Big Macs in seven minutes. <laughs> to be continued. I can't even get that voice. Those guys that do those Hollywood trailers for movies, they're so badass. Coming at you in the summer of 2019, Chris Sifrio attacks the Whopper. He conquered the now Big it's Mac. the Whopper, huh? <laughs> I hate Burger King. Really? With a passion. Won't even go in. Won't even. When I know there was one coming up on the road, I'll I'll look the other way. I'll roll up the window so I don't smell it. That's how bad oh, that place is. Like Let me tell you something else that pisses me off. I don't like people that don't use Heinz ketchup at restaurants. I told my buddy that that owns yeah. restaurants. You got to have Heinz. He uses Hunts. Yeah. No, he uses French's because they make mustard. Like French's mustard is no. He uses Heinz mustard and 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 no. I don't know what he uses, but I know it ain't Heinz ketchup. You don't trust people that don't eat Heinz, right? <laughs> If you go into a lady's house and she has hunts in the refrigerator, you leave. You can't trust that family. Golly. Agreed? You don't agree? <laughs> I mean, it's taken a little too deep, huh? <laughs> I have developed a distaste for you and your family take, over the I'm ketchup. I'm taking my wife cheese. right now. Take the hunts out of the refrigerator. Dude, I've heard stories about the hunt. I ain't even going to go on record of saying anything. This has been another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody with my partner and co-founder of Jargon Game Calls, Jargon Duck Calls, Chris Cifrio, C-I-F-R-E-O. If you guys want some instruction, y'all pay attention. We got new digital stuff coming out on our website. We have another idea that we're getting ready to announce. We're so proud of it. We're getting ready to do it in the duck calling and goose calling instructional world. Instagram, you're going to find some calling videos and instruction on there. And episodes of season 11 of The Foul Life airing right now on the Outdoor Channel, you will find calling tips and instructions. We're not done yet. We're going to keep these podcasts coming. I have some more stuff to go over with Chris, including our what I wanted to get through today, but I'm starving. We were going to get to our marketing plans for Jargon and what we're going to be doing, the ambassadors and the pro staff. I hate that word pro staff that we're going to be adding to help us spread the love, grow the community, speak that jargon, right, Chris? It's jargon. What is it? The specialized vocabulary amongst a group of people, pilots, surgeons, military, baseball players. What else speaks jargon? Everybody has their own jargon, Everybody. right? You don't go into an operating room and listen to a doctor talk and understand it unless you're trained in that jargon. That's Period. right. Same with duck hunting. Duck hunters are the best. I love talking like that. <laughs> Deer hunters aren't the best. They're cool. They're nice. But if you had to choose a friendship between myself or Michael Waddell, who are you going to pick? Michael Waddell's getting away for $2,000 right now, so... (laughs) Oh, that's... Probably Michael Waddell. You base all of our friendship on money? Nah, nah. You're an ass. Michael's cool, but he ain't a duck hunter. 
he would tell you probably like chad's way cooler than me because he hunts ducks and i just hunt deer <laughs> i shoot bears he shoots teal i mean think about it they're teal he's shooting a bear it's a freaking bear monkey could do that you ever seen a bear growl they put their hands up like this with their claws and they go oh my <laughs> try it <laughs> try it <laughs> try it put your hands up like this and, and what, stick what them out it, what does it matter if you got <laughs> your hands <laughs> because you got to imitate a bear <laughs> i do that <laughs> i start to get delirious when i'm starving today's episode oh, was brought to you by the three partners i talked about in the beginning the 2019 nawtc the north american whitetail championship brought to you by michael waddell's bone collector and wicked outfitters mr clint walker and steve schmidt they're doing a heck of a job out of that state of kansas it's also brought to you by jargon game calls and elk ridge evolution the best knives on the market stay sharp america i'm chad belding the host of this life ain't for everybody thank you all so much for the support of the podcast and the growth of it keep supporting us at the foullife.com new apparel new hats available now and new episodes like i said before airing at this time only on the outdoor channel look for our old episodes and our reruns our past content on my outdoor tv i know it's taken us a while to get to that but we still have an announcement coming out with motv my outdoor tv through the outdoor sportsman's group check out our new print ads and the new editions of gundog magazine wildfowl magazine for both the foul life and jargon we're very proud of them we're going to get to those print ads on our next podcast for chris cifrio co-founder of jargon game calls chad belding this life ain't for everybody thank you all again so much tom rashashin hit that button what you gonna do when the money's all gone by my man leith lofton aka hoss born in mississippi living in nashville him and his wife stephanie just announced that they are pregnant and i couldn't be more proud and i think i heard through the grapevine that they're gonna name it chad whether it's a boy or a girl i just i heard that leith I think I heard that. Tom, hit that button. Thank y'all. This is What You Gonna Do When the Money's All Gone, written by Leith Lofton and Drake White, performed by Leith Lofton. Thank y'all. Say life on earth won't last that long. What you gonna do when the money's all gone?